and we're starting a brand new series, and I always love uh, to start a brand new series and to stay with the series, which is obviously what we're going to do. And uh, as we begin, I want to throw out something for you to give consideration to, and that is where are you at in your life like right now? When you start thinking about your life and you start assessing your life, where do you feel that you're at? Who do you feel that you are? Who you are becoming? Or what do you want to be? By now, you already see the graphic that's on the screen, the me I want to be. We actually borrowed the title from a book that was written probably 20 years ago or so, or close to that, maybe 15, 16 years ago. But it's not. What we're going to be talking about, we love the title of the book, but what we're going to be talking about is something different than what was actually in the book. And we're going to get into that today, and we're really going to dive even deeper and next week. But here on the front edge of this series, I want you to just consider that. And there's a lot of things that if we were talking about it would be worthy of a discussion about where we're at, where do we want to be, uh, the person that we want to become. There, there would be a lot of areas that would be worthy of discussion, such as, you know, our career. Where are we at? Where do we want to become? What about our relationships, such as our friendships or in marriage or in parenting? Where are we? Where do we want to go? Uh, what about our work life and work rest balance? What about our physical health, our emotional health? And all of those would be good good things to talk about and certainly worthy of discussion. But it's not what we're going to talk about in this particular series because what we're going to do is we're going to focus and we're going to dive in to use a water baptism euphemism. We're going to dive into the pool and then we're going to swim around and we're going to swim a little bit deeper each week because I believe that there is a me that you want to become that I want to become and we're going to focus in this series on the spiritual part of our life. Career ought to be talked about, family life, all of these things. But I want to talk primarily about our, about our spiritual life and uh, how do we get from where we're at to where that we want to be. And so I'm glad you're here for the kickoff Sunday. I've got to give you a little bit of an overview, and then each week we'll dig a little bit deeper. Now, you may be wondering... If I'm really trying to assess where, I'm, where am I at in terms of my spiritual life, how do I even gauge that? How do I even sort of register where I'm at so I can determine the me that I want to be? How do I get started with that? And fortunately, we have within the scriptures a benchmark that helps us to measure that. So we're going to measure that starting today. We're going to gauge that starting today. And then we're going to build upon it in the forthcoming weeks. And again, I am tremendously excited about where we're going. Now, in this passage, there's two particular verses that I want you to look at. This is out of Galatians chapter 5. Look on the screen. This is verses 22 and 23, and it says this. The Spirit, who is the Holy Spirit, the, the Spirit produces the fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So I think what we do is we do a timeout. Time out. It's what happens in football. That'll be here in a matter of time. I'm so excited about that. But we are, we're going to do a timeout, and then we just sort of just take those for a moment, and we'll look at them closely in the weeks to come. But how are we doing in terms of the fruit of the Spirit? This is the benchmark that helps us to gauge where we're at and the me that I want to be. So just take a moment and pause and just say, well, how am I doing? How am I doing uh, in matters of love? 
would people describe me as a loving person? Do I manifest love? What about joy? Now, I'm just saying this to you right now because I don't want to forget at the end, you do not, you absolutely do not want to miss next week. I'm going to talk about joy. See, a lot of people think that happiness and joy are the same thing, and they are not. Happiness is often conditional. What's going on in my life and around my life, joy is completely different. And man, if there's ever a message that you and I need to walk through, we're going to do that next week. And I'm going to talk to you about how do you maintain joy even when some stuff is happening around your life that ordinarily would not make you happy. Happiness and joy are not congruent. And I'm going to share with you the difference next week. You don't want to miss it. But how are you doing? How are you doing in your joy? What about in your peace? Do you have peace in your life? Are you a peacemaker? You know, or do you have all this stress and anxiety going on in your life? What about patience? And some of you are saying, I do really good in patience with patience until I, I get in line or I come through Orlando traffic. I had to do a wedding recently in St. Augustine, and I had to drive through Orlando traffic. The Lord knew that I needed that to be able to teach about patience here in a couple of weeks. So, you know, are we becoming increasingly patient? Are you like, you know what? It seems the older I get, the less patient I become. We need, that's a benchmark. That's a benchmark. Who is me that I want to be? What about kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness? What about self-control? Can you really exercise? And all of us have our areas that are going to be challenging. What is staring you in the face? And you know, like, hey, I need to exercise some self-control so that I don't move in the direction that I really don't want to go. So how are you doing uh, with that. So God uses this to help us to be able to determine and assess as we're calling in this series. And again, this is overview week, the me that I want to be. Now, I want you to check out with me a couple of very interesting verses, and they're on the screen. Look at these two verses, the B part of verse 12, the A part of verse 13 out of Philippians chapter 2, and it says this. You see it on the screen, work out your salvation. For it is God who works in you. Wow. And you're like, okay, we need to talk about that. And we absolutely do. And maybe you're even thinking about it as you see it right now on the screen. Is, am I witnessing a contradiction in the Bible? Is this a contradiction? Which is it? You know, in matters of salvation, is it my part? Is it God's part? Look at this. Work out your salvation for it is God who works in you. And we need to talk about this. What is coming into play as it relates again to our salvation? Is it God or is it us? And I want you to hang in here with me or you will get lost. And I don't want you to get lost because what I'm going to say to you, it is not either or, it is both and, but I need to explain. And the language that is found, and guys, if you throw that back up, and I, I didn't give you a heads up, but if you could throw that up again, it's absolutely crucial that you pay very close attention to the language here. What it says is, look at it, the first portion, it says, work out your salvation. How many of you see that? Wave at me if you see that. Is that what it says? I have my back to the screen, so I don't know. Work out. Is that what it says? It does not say, notice it does not say work for, and there's a big difference. There's a big difference in working out your salvation and working for your salvation. Let me explain. Are you with me? Wave at me if you're with me. 
we do not ever, 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 could you add one more for me? ever work for, earn for, or deserve salvation. For salvation, friends, is always a gift to us from God, delivered by Jesus by way of the cross. So when we're talking about salvation, is it God's part or is it our part? We're going to talk about it because it's both, but it's not working for our salvation. It's working out our salvation. Now, let me, let me just touch on that. Again, this is overview. When you see those two words work out, it might be helpful to you, to you to think of a physical workout, all right? Think in terms of a physical workout, and some of you are thinking, Jeff, that is really hard for me because I'm not quite sure what that is. I have a gym membership. I even have something on my keychain, but automatically my keychain does not deliver me to the gym for a workout. How many of you know that? I got, you know, I got this deal, therefore I'm working out. No, you actually have to go. So if you can't think that way, imagine you're going to the gym to work out. All right. Think about that. You're going to the gym to work out. When you go to the gym, and I want to just give you an analogy here that I think will help. When you go to the gym, and don't answer because you'll be ahead of me. When you go to the gym, are you creating muscle? And you are not. When you go to the gym, you are not creating muscle. You are trying to grow and develop the muscles that God has already given to you. So it's not like I'm going to the gym. I have no muscles in my body. I have no muscles in my body. I'm going to create my muscles. No, you already have them. You probably just need to grow or develop them. And how many of you know that everybody, everybody has a six pack? And we'll just, so there's no confusion. We're talking a six pack of Diet Coke. How many of you know that everybody has a six pack? It's just sometimes buried underneath some stuff. And that's all we need to say about that, right? So when you go to the gym to work out, are you creating muscle? No. What you're trying to do is you're trying to grow and develop the muscle that you already have. In matters of spiritual growth, think of it this way. God has his part and we have our part. God gives to us the gift of salvation, We can't work for it, earn it, deserve it. God gives it to us as a gift. But then here's where it comes into play for us. We get to grow and develop what God has already blessed us with. In fact, God even gives to us the tools that we need to grow. And I want to take just a moment and I want to talk about two of those tools that God gives us to help us to grow and develop like our spiritual muscles. All right, here's the first one. If you're note takers, I want you to be sure you get this down. And this is simple, but I want to give it to you in way of overview. God gives to us the Bible. The Bible is a gift. And maybe you've never thought of the Bible as being a gift from God to you, but it actually is. Can I tell you what the Bible actually is? The Bible is actually God's love letter to you. It's God's love letter to you. And if you don't read it, you're not going to understand what he's trying to communicate to you. It is God's love letter to you. And when we read it, 
when we read it, God uses it in all kinds of ways, usually based on where we're reading at that time or what we're needing. Let me say that again. God uses his Bible, his word is God's word. God's only written one book. By the way, it's a bestseller, bestseller of all times. No other book is sold as much as the Bible throughout history. So uh, God gives to us his word and he uses it based on what we're reading or what we're needing. Let me explain. Let me take that out again. This is overview. Sometimes when I'm reading the scriptures, and this is a habit of practice for me, and I'm not saying that to be boastful. I'm saying that hopefully that that will motivate you if that's not already a spiritual practice in your life that you will make it a practice. I do that. That's a priority of my day. If I'm not going to get anything else accomplished in, the, in a day, I'm going to make sure that I get into God's word. And sometimes when I'm reading God's word, I need encouragement. Sometimes when you and I are reading God's word, we need correction. Has this ever happened to you? Now, this is not the Bible. This is the book. Who is this man? But I, I can't tell you. Have you ever had this same experience? You're reading in the Bible, and all of, a start, all of a sudden, you start thinking to yourself, ouch, ouch, ooh, ooh, that, ooh. Because what's happening in that moment, God is giving you some correction or he's bringing conviction because you may see an area of your life that is not lining up with God's word. And man, I've had that happen to me so many times. I've had to just often pause right there and just stop and pray. And God, I know I need your help in this area of my life. So sometimes we need encouragement. Sometimes we need correction or conviction. Sometimes we need wisdom. Sometimes we need strength. Sometimes we need guidance. Sometimes we need a promise from God. If you were here last week on Easter Sunday, I mentioned you there are 7,000 promises from God to you in the scriptures. I want you to look at these two verses. This is what Paul had to say about the scriptures. He said, all scripture, all of it, all scripture is inspired by God, every bit of it, the parts that made sense to you and the parts that does not make sense to you. And it is useful to teach us what is true. It's what the Bible does, teaches us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our life. And that's what I just referenced. I've had that happen so many times. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what is right. Look at this next part right here. God uses it. God uses his word to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. God uses his word. Now, I want to get really, really practical right here. Obviously, the Bible only works if you read it. How many of you, that makes perfect sense? The Bible only works if you read it. Some of you are saying, you know, you're going to try to get me hung up on a technicality. You're like, I don't read. I listen to the Bible. Ha, ha, ha. All right, so you're just trying to, you know, you're just trying to, I know what you're trying to do to me. So maybe you don't read it, but you listen to it, all right? It only works if you read it. And some of you, though, may be thinking, but Jeff, I hear what you're saying, but I don't have time to read the Bible. I just don't have time. You know, I believe that God uses it. I believe that God is going to use it to help me to build some spiritual muscle. I, you know, it's a tool that God gives me to help me get stronger in my faith. But I just don't have time because I have a work life. I've got a job, a demanding job. Therefore, I, I don't have time to read the Bible. Or I've got all these kids to raise. Some of you heard me mention a while back, I, 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 and I think I mentioned in the service, that for a half a day, uh, not long ago, I babysat 
all four of my grandkids at one time. I prayed for the rapture of the church. Jesus, come back right now. I didn't even have time to brush my teeth. I'm like, I don't know how your moms do it. We ought to celebrate it even more so this Mother's Day. But I, I, I'd read the Bible, but I have kids. Or I've got yard work, or I've got housework. Or Jeff, you know, I'm really, really busy because I'm really binging on this new Netflix series that I'm attached to. And I don't, you know, I don't want the Bible to get in the way of, of that. And, you know, I love social media or I have these hobbies or, you know what, I like to sleep in. And I just don't have, listen, listen, this is what I know about our human condition. We will always find time to do the things we really want to do. Is that true? We will always find the time to do the things that we really want to do. Let me give you some helpful hints. Again, this is, this is just sort of overview. I mentioned that. Helpful hints. You may want to get some of these down, all right? Start slow. Start slow. Jeff, I'm getting, man, I feel motivated. I'm motivated. You've told me all I need to know. I am getting started first thing in the morning. I'm going to set my alarm clock for 3.30 a.m., and I'm going to read the Bible for one hour. Let me know how that goes. Give me a call on Tuesday and tell me how that's going. Start slow. Start in a way that can manage it. I've been, I've been doing this for years. I've been doing this since I was a teenager. You don't start where I'm at or where somebody at who's like, you know, a seasoned Christian that's been reading the, start slow. Start five minutes a day, 10 minutes a day, 50, whatever. Start slow. Here's another thing. Start in the Gospels. I just encourage you. There'll be plenty of time. There'll be plenty of time. Well, what if Jesus comes back before I finish the Bible? <laughs> That's okay. You'll be okay. You'll be okay in heaven. You really will be. All right? So start in the Gospels. Go Matthew, Mark. In fact, you may want to start in John. Start in John. All right? Start in John or Matthew, primarily John, and then go back to Matthew, and then read Matthew, Mark, Luke. If you haven't read John yet, read John. Go ahead and read through the rest of the New Testament. If you want to circle around, do that again, or you can jump back into the Old Testament, and you don't have to understand everything. You just don't. Some of you, some of you, and I say this with all due respect, you're a little bit, you're a little bit intimidated by the, by the Scriptures because you don't understand everything that is in there. Can I tell you, I've been reading the Scriptures for years, and still, all of the time I read something, I'm like, I don't have a clue. I don't have a clue. I don't know what that means, and I'll dig and dig, but some things I just don't understand, and that's okay. You're not going to understand, but you, you start slow. You start in the Gospels. Get a consistent time. Get in a rhythm. Get in a rhythm. Uh, I'm an early riser. I like to get up early. 4.30 is when my alarm clock goes off, and I like to get up early. I like to attack the day, and there's certain things that I'm going to do in the first part of the day, and you know why I'm able to be successful at that? Because I'm in a rhythm. I just know that I have certain habits that are going to happen in my life, and you don't have to get up at 4.30. You can get up say at the crack of noon, whenever you want to get up. But whatever it is, just get in a habit, get in a habit of when a consistent time and have a consistent place and try to memorize Scripture. Try to memorize Scripture. And you're saying, I can't remember anything. It's amazing. I cannot remember the names of so many people. I, uh, you know, half the time I can't remember the names of my kids and they belong to me. And so you say, well, I can't memorize real well. I'm, my memory, you know, in a lot of areas, but there's value in trying to memorize Scripture. And there's a lot of Scripture that I've memorized over the years that I don't even re remember that I've, I don't even remember that I've memorized it until I need it. 
And then when I need it, it's there because at some point I memorize it. And at that point in time when I need it most, God, by the Holy Spirit, brings it back to my attention. So memorize. Be in church consistently. Be here. You know we're going to teach the Bible. I'm not going to stand up here. I may mention football, but I'm not going to talk about football for 30 minutes. I may mention Chick-fil-A, but I'm not going to give you the history of Chick-fil-A. I may mention my grandkids, but I'm not going to give you the details of all of their lives. We're going to talk about the Bible, and we need to be here. In fact, can I challenge you? If you're ready for a challenge, wave at me. If you're not... I don't know what I'm going to do because I'm probably going to give the challenge anyhow. But if you're ready for it, think about, think about this. What would happen, what would happen if you and I de- developed the same discipline about church that our kids or grandkids have to dis- discipline in order to be at school? Do you ever say to your kids, how many of your kids or grandkids have ever said to you, I'm not feeling well today. I don't want to go to church or to school. How many of you, your kids ever said that? My grandson, he's not even, he's only three. He's not even like real school. He's in like daycare. And one day this week, he woke up and he said, he looked at his dad and he said, I don't feel good. I can't go to school today. He felt great. He felt great. He was just trying to hoodwink his own dad. Now, what I'm saying to you is if our kids have to go to school as often as they do, they just can't. I want to just challenge you to be faithful in your church attendance because this is another way that you and I get fed. It shouldn't be the only way. We've got to learn to feed ourselves. That's why I've been talking about this. But if we're going to grow and we're going to develop some spiritual muscle, we start slow, start in the Gospels, consistent time, find a consistent place, try to memorize some scripture, and just be faithful in church. Now, it would be, it would be if somebody said, well, here's what I'm going to do. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to grow. I'm going to grow my muscles. I'm going to get stronger. I'm going to develop my muscles, but I'm never going to the gym. I'm never going to work out, period. If somebody told you that, you may not say it, but you'd be thinking, right, let's see how that goes. And the reason I mention that, if we say, I want to grow stronger, I, I want to grow stronger, I want to develop, I know that I'm not working for my salvation, God has already given that to me as a gift, I'm working out my salvation, I'm working to get stronger, well, how do we do that? One of the reasons, one of the ways, one of the tools that God gives us is God gives to us the Bible, but not just the Bible. Secondly, I want you to be sure you get this, God also gives to us the Holy Spirit. Do you realize that when you became a Christian that God placed his Holy Spirit on the inside of you? And if you were here some time ago and I was talking about the role of the Holy Spirit and how that he's not a mist and he's not a vapor, he's not a ghost, he's actually a person, and the Holy Spirit provides us with a power that we do not possess in and of ourselves. Look at this verse up on the screen, Romans 8, 11. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. He will give life. He will make you strong. The Holy Spirit will work in you. We looked at a similar verse, not the same verse, but a similar verse to that last week on Easter. So he gives to us the Holy Spirit. That is, that is a gift. And so the Holy Spirit provides us with a power that we do not ordinarily possess. Now, let me tell you, One of the primary things, if not the primary thing, that God uses the Holy Spirit in our life is what he uses the Holy Spirit in our life to do is to make us more like Jesus. All right? 
Can I say it this way? God's number one priority for your life and for my life is to make us like Jesus. God's priority for your life and for my life is to make us more like Jesus. That's why we're jumping into this series. This is why we're diving into the pool. How, how do we become more like Jesus? Just what we read earlier in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. We become more like Jesus. The more loving that we become, the more joyful that we become, the more at peace, the more we become more and more. And that's what, that's what God wants to use the Holy Spirit in our life is to make us more like Jesus, to be the me that I want to be. I don't know if you feel the way that I do, but... Uh, I want to grow. I, I want to grow in my walking relationship with Jesus. I, I want to get stronger spiritually. I, I want to know more about the Word of God. I want to know more about the Spirit's power and activity at work in my life. I want to become the person that God wants me to be. Look at 2 Corinthians 3. I believe you feel the same way. Look at this verse. This is verse 18. And the Lord who is the Spirit, the Lord who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like Him. Him being Jesus makes us more like Him as we are changed. And that's what God wants to do. He wants to use the Holy Spirit in our life to make us more like Jesus. Have you ever considered this, that the more t in tune you and I are with the Holy Spirit, the better that Jesus looks and the worse that sin looks? Think about that. The more that you and I, because if you and I receive Jesus, or we were to receive him today, if we haven't before, immediately the Holy Spirit comes and lives on the inside of us. And God's purpose of placing the Holy Spirit in us to give us power, we've talked about that, and to cause us to become more like Jesus. And the more that we become like Jesus, the better that Jesus looks and the worse sin looks. I read this some time ago. Jesus took his followers. Jesus told his followers that when the Spirit arrived, they would receive power. And this writer said, when the Spirit flows in you, you are given the power to become the person that God designed to be. And that's what we're going to talk about in this series, the me that I want to be. Work out, not work for, work out your salvation because God is working in you. What is God's part? God's part is giving us what we need to grow. He gives to us the Bible. He gives to us the Holy Spirit who lives and resides on the inside of us. Now, if you're with, with me, I'm about to transition here. Wave at me if you're with me to this point because we're about to segue into something. You with me? All right. Now, that's God's part. Let me just briefly touch on this because we only have got a, about nine minutes left and then we're going to water baptism. Our part. What is our part? And I'm going to give you pretty rapid fire three things. Our part. Number one. Our part is to think the right thoughts, to think the right thoughts. Here's a reality. If you and I are going to change, and probably all of us need to change in some area of our life, then you know what we're going to have to change first? We're going to have to change our thinking. You know, there's a whole lot in life that we can't control. I touched on that last week. However, there is something that we can more readily manage, and that is our thinking, our thoughts. Look at this verse up on the screen. This is Proverbs 4.23. Get it in your notes. Be careful how you think. Be careful how you think. Why do we need to be careful? Because our life is shaped by our thoughts. Our life is shaped by our thoughts. Now, I, I want to just hit upon this. I wish I had more time, but I'm going to hit upon real quickly a progression that you're already familiar with, and here's the progression. You ready? 
You think, you feel, you act. You think something, and the way you're thinking about something causes you to feel something about that, and then you act upon that. Does that make sense to you? We never just act. You never just do something out of the blue and say, where, where, where did that come from? Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> we were feeling something before we acted on it. And guess what? Before we were feeling something, we were thinking about something. Does that make sense? So that is the normal progression. We think if you and I want to change something in our life, we've got to change the way that we think about that. So we think, which causes us to feel, and the way that we feel causes us to act, sometimes to act out. Look at this verse on the screen. This is Romans 12 and 2. Let God transform you into a new person, the me I want to be. Let God transform you into a new person, how? By changing the way that you think. So our part, God's part is given to us the Bible. God's part is given to us the Holy Spirit. Our part is to think the right thoughts. Number two, and this touches upon something I just mentioned, continually, number two, depend on the Holy Spirit who is at work within your life. See, when you and I pause and think about it, every single day of our life, we're depending on something. I depended on my car to get me to church today. I depend on my car every day for transportation. I sometimes depend on a pilot to get me from point A to point B. My favorite point B is Bloomington, Illinois. Not because, you know, I'm, I'm a Chicago Bears fan or anything like that. It's simply because I've got four little kids living there that when I'm about to land in Bloomington, I start getting really excited. I'm depending on a pilot. How many of you have ever crawled into a plane, got settled in, and you're praying for the pilot? You're praying for the pilot. I know a writer in the Atlanta Journal-Constitution used to say years ago, he said, it wasn't easy, but I'd always find out the captain of the pilot on the flight I was going to be on the next morning, and I'd call him at home to just make sure he wasn't out partying the night before. All right, how many of you, okay, you get it. Because you're depending on, you depend on a pilot to get you to, you depend on stoplights to direct traffic, right? You depend on your job or your career to provide you with an income. I, every day at breakfast, depend upon Chick-fil-A to keep me from getting hunger pains. Every day we're depending upon something. Why not depend upon the one that is able to work supernaturally in our lives? The one who is able to work powerfully to help us to do things that we can never accomplish on our own. He can do what we can never do. Now, using this metaphor for fruit, and I'll just hit upon this because we're about out of time, because when you go back to Galatians 5, and 23, and it lists these nine things that become a benchmark to help us know where we're at and where we need to go, it's called the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Holy Spirit helps to produce this in our life. But using a metaphor for fruit and fruitfulness, I want you to notice what Jesus says in John 15. Look at this up on the screen. Jesus said, this is what I want you to do, and this is for all of us. I want you to remember remain in me and I will remain in you for a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine. You are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. Look at this last part. For apart from me, you can do nothing. At the end of the day, 
There are so many things of significance that you and I could never do apart from the activity of the Holy Spirit at work in our life. How do we know we're dependent on the Spirit? We know we're dependent on the Spirit if we're praying about something. If you're saying, I'm dependent on the Holy Spirit for something, you're praying about that thing. You're asking for God's help in that thing. You're dependent on, that's how you know you're dependent on the Spirit. If we're not praying about it, guess what we're probably doing? We're trying to somehow uh, solve it on our own, to do something on our own. So our part, think the right thoughts. Number two, continually depend on the Holy Spirit. Thirdly, and we'll be done finally, Choose how we respond to problems. I mentioned to you last week that we always are going to have problems. The only way to avoid problems permanently is to go ahead and go on to heaven like right now. Otherwise, until then, you and I are going to have some problems. See, we can't control, and you've learned this by now. I'm only saying something you already know. We cannot control what happens to us. How many of you have already figured that out? But we can choose how we react to it, how we respond to it. Now, you may get it perfect all the time, but I don't. I don't. I am preaching to me, teaching me more so than anybody else today, because I am more and more wanting to evidence this this benchmark to assess where I'm at. And sometimes, if there's a challenge in my life, I don't always respond to it. I don't always have a great response. Have you, ever, have you ever reacted this way? Have you ever had something happen and you immediately re- react with anger or frustration? Just wave at me. It'll help me to feel better. How many of you, this would really help me. How many of you would say, and it was somehow traffic related? <laughs> okay, I feel better. I feel better. And sometimes we respond if we have a problem, something happens, we respond with anger or frustration. Sometimes we blame. Well, I wouldn't have done this had this not happened. Sometimes we blame. Sometimes, it's funny, isn't it? Here we are, grown adults, and we still know how to pout. Isn't it funny? We never outgrow our ability to be able to pout. And sometimes we pout. Sometimes, in a more darker way, we go into depression or we get discouraged. Sometimes we get bitter. Sometimes we start feeling or withdrawing from God. We become aloof from God. So I can do any of those things. I can be angry. I can blame. I can pout. I can be discouraged. I can become bitter. I can be aloof from God, or I can trust God to use it to develop what I really need in my life. Last two verses, and we're done. Romans 5, 3, and 4. We also have joy with our troubles. Did I mention at the beginning of this talk that you need to be back next week to talk about the difference between joy and happiness? Because if you're like immersed in happiness, when you have a problem, guess what happens? Your happiness goes out the window. When you have joy, you can face a challenge and you can still remain joyful. And I'll tell you how next week. We also have joy with our troubles because we know that these troubles produce patience and patience produces character and character produces hope. We're out of time. I want you, during this series, to be saying, Lord, there is a me that I want to be. And I do want to move toward the person that I know that you want me to become. See, it's a perfect alignment when you and I are becoming the person that God wants us to become. And and when we're just saying, God, that's what I want to do. I want to become more loving. 
I, I want to become more joyful that so that when I face a challenge or something happens, I don't lose, I don't lose my joy. I want to become, I, I need more peace in my life or patience in my life. And I want you to be praying with me during this series that God will help you and me become, as we're going to talk about, the me that I really want to be. Would you stand with me, everybody? Let's stand for closing prayer. And if you're here today and you're not a Christian, this would be a wonderful time. What a great time, the beginning of a new series to just say, Jesus, come into my life. Jesus, forgive me of my sins. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, nobody looking around. If you're not a Christian yet and you just say, you know what, Jeff? On the very first Sunday of this new series, I just, I want to give my life over to Jesus. I don't even know where this journey is going to take me, but I need his help. I need his help. I need the Holy Spirit inside of me, giving me power, giving me guidance, giving me direction. I want to receive Jesus. If that's you, would you just lift your hand right there where you're standing? Just lift it up and let me pray with you right there where you're at. And Jesus, we do that right now. We just say, Jesus, come into our life. Jesus, forgive us of our sin. God, we want to walk with you in this world. We want to do life with you. And I just thank you that you take all of our sins and, and you forgive us. And you not only forgive us of our sins, you, forgive, you forget about our sins. And you give us a brand new start. And we thank you for that. And Lord, we just pray, we just pray that you would just help us in this series to become the me that we want to be, the me which is what you want us to be. And God, we know you're going to help us. And we know you're going to lead us. And we know you're going to guide us. And we thank you for that. We thank you for it, in Jesus' name. Hey, let me mention something real quickly. Here's what I'm asking you to do. It will only take a little time. We've got several people that are about to be baptized right out back in just a moment. Would you do us a favor? It'd be great. You know, uh, if there would be some people that would be cheering them on. We've got some seats out there. If you need to be seated out there, if you want to stand but right out back, if you just come, and we want to celebrate every time somebody comes out of the water that they're identifying with Jesus in baptism, we want to celebrate that. So even if you're not being baptized or you don't know somebody that's being baptized, come on out back for just a few moments if you would do that, and I'll tell you how you will need to go. When you exit the theater, turn left on that hallway, go all the way down the hall, you'll walk outside, take that sidewalk to the back, and you'll see the chairs. And We'll be out there in just a few moments. Now, if you have kids, if you have kids, please go ahead and pick up your kids first because we've got staff that is down there and leaders that are there, and they're going to be participating in baptism, and they can't go until you've picked up your kids. Will you pick up your kids? <laughs> <laughs>